and welcome to the second second watch podcast. Second second watch. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, so, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to you wherever you are in the world, wherever you're listening to this podcast. And thank you very much for tuning in for this the second episode of the Second Watch podcast. I hope you have fun listening to it. I'll tell you one thing, I sure had a lot of fun making this podcast and uh, we have a very special guest joining us today on our Second Watch podcast. It gives me great pleasure to introduce to you our very special guest for this podcast, Mr. Barry Crell, who's come all the way from across the pond to join us in our lockdown, from his lockdown to our lockdown, Barry Crell, who is uh, a much known and much appreciated member of the Swatch community. We're very, very, very pleased and very happy to have you on our podcast, Barry. Stephen, thanks so much for having me on. It's really an honor to be a part of this Swatch group (laughs) and to be on the podcast. So let's see what I can do on answering some of the questions. Don't worry, Barry. Everything's going to be perfectly fine. I promise to handle you with care and with kid gloves and not ask any really embarrassing questions we will keep it swatch as we always do here on the second watch podcast i expect our listeners to expect nothing less and i know that with your knowledge of swatch and with my assembled knowledge of swatch (laughs) we'll uh have a great podcast here that i'm sure people will enjoy so what's been happening in the world of swatch since my last podcast well we've had a launch of a whole new collection which uh, I think there are some absolutely outstanding watches in there. Uh, For me, I I really like the Jelly and Jelly watches when they came out. I thought they were a a very, very original concept and and really was very intrinsic of the DNA of Swatch. Um, I remember being at the Blue Man group event in Lugano and seeing these watches really for the first time up close and personal was... uh, was something very, very special. And Swatch have continued with this Jelly in Jelly style with the new big bold jelly designs with the black in jelly and the white in jelly, which I think are absolutely stunning watches. I think they're um, instantly new classics and watches I think that most people that are into Swatch will endeavour to go out and purchase. Obviously, I can't not mentioned the Bond collection that came out. Some of those were absolutely fantastic. The packaging, I think, for the watches was very, very good. Very much appreciated by the collectors. The video cassette, uh, for those of you that aren't old enough to know, they're the old uh, Blu-rays, 4K UHDs of our time, where we had the VCR copies of the films that we would plug into our video cassette recorder. And um, you may have been fortunate enough to have had a wireless infrared remote control for your VCR. But some of us that are really that old um, had a cable running from your VCR. And you could then spool and watch your favourite films in the comfort of your own home. It was an absolutely revolutionary concept that up until that point we'd never really had. And I think Swatch were very clever in mirroring that nostalgia, that very, dare I say, 80s, which is very much on point at the moment, that 80s nostalgia with the VCR cases for these watches. 
my favourite one was the Moonraker one out of the general collection. Um, I, I like the fact that it had the shuttle on the face I, I, as part of the mechanism. I thought that was really good. Some of the other watches are, 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 were great, and I think they're really good. Were they as good as the last, the Bond villains? Yeah, I'm kind of sitting on the fence. Some of the villains' watches for me were 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 fantastic. Um, but no, there I think there were some really good watches, and I know there are many collectors that have got their whole set. However, I think my out-and-out favourite of the new Bond launch was, in fact, the Q SS07Z100, the irony special, the Q special. The packaging was nice. Um, although in the UK, we actually had some of the misprint packaging. We had some of the boxes that when you open the lid, it was printed upside down. So um, if you're really into collecting and collecting variants, that's something to keep an eye out for. But the SS07Z100, the Q Irony Special, I think, was the watch that I know many, many collectors went absolutely crazy for. I loved the design of it. I loved the coloured hands. I loved the fact that you could see into the mechanism. I just thought it was an absolutely beautiful piece of what, beautiful piece of craftsmanship. And, you know, every once in a while, these watches come along that, that you think, that's just a bit of a game changer. I think the the other thing that was a really nice touch was on the reverse of the strap saying designed by Q. I, I thought that was very, very nice. You know, I really appreciated that little touch of detail there, as I'm sure many, many collectors will appreciate for years to come. I think the thing that's making that watch stand out from a lot of the others is that as well as people buying it to collect... Um, a lot of people actually bought it to wear as well. Don't you agree, Barry? Now that's a great watch. Can you send me two of those? One for my museum in the basement and one for my wrist. Sure, Barry. Yeah, what, what I do is I just uh, quickly pop down to the locals. Look, man, all the shops are shut. I can't actually go out and buy you any watches. I'm sure you're more than capable to um, procure your own supplies during these lockdown situations. In fact... I could pretty much guarantee that you actually have two of those watches, if not three. One for your museum, and maybe one for each arm. <laughs> In addition to the new collections, we've also had some new XU patterns as well. Some more of the vintage collections that you can get reprinted on modern watches, as well as some new artist specials. I know that these XU designs are proving very, very popular, and actually some of them are becoming... Incredibly collectible, especially the lunar landing ones, which uh, very, very quickly were going for an increased price, considering they're not the cheapest of watches to purchase straight off the bat, but their value is definitely increasing. And I know it was something that when they first started the XU concept, there was this whole discussion and debate as to whether or not XU watches would really add value or really become collectible. But as with most things watch, it would appear that they are. But I think one of the true stars of the recent months has been the launch of the new Club Watch. We saw the Standard Edition came out, and that was out at the time of the last podcast. But I think the thing that people have been really struggling to get hold of has been the Halo 30, the new Club Limited Edition special of the watch. There were only 37 of them in the UK, and these were 
very, very hard to get hold of. In fact, it was done on a lottery draw for members and there was no differentiation between gold members and pioneer members. I know that there are over a hundred of them coming over to the States. So have you managed to get yourself one yet, Barry? Stephen, could you say that again without that super cool, thick British accent? I didn't really understand what you said. Didn't understand what I said. Of course you did. Super cool British accent. I like that. I think that's something that we'll have to um, go in part of the strap line or the advertising for these podcasts. Uh, a super cool British accent. Um, well, look, Barry, I'm sure you've got a, a Hello 30 on order. But I tell you, um, what do you think of the 2020 stuff so far? You know, how do you feel about Swatch's current direction of travel? So looking at, at 2020, looking at some of the newer watches, mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. like that, I'm definitely impressed with, with some of the ways that the, the line is moving. Cool. Yeah, I, I've too. enjoyed seeing a lot of the big, bold designs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The combination relationship that they have with um, Bathing Ape, I think, is, is very cool. And Agreed. clearly those watches flew off the shelves. Um, very difficult to get. I, I wear my burn uh, bathing ape watch a lot that's one of my favorites from from the set that came out it's a great watch. definitely the big bolts are are nice the the jelly big bolt that came out recently is another favorite from recent collections that have come out mm-hmm. and um of course all the destinations are wonderful i think the q watch for me is probably the the hottest of of the 007 watches that have come out I had a, a fair share of the original 007s, had some of the villains, but from the newest line, I think the one that, that gets on my wrist most often is probably the Q watch. Exactly. Love the packaging of it, and then, of course, the watch itself is stunning. So that's uh, definitely one of my favorites of, of the new lines. And yet you still wanted me to go out and get you another couple, yeah? Well, another one for you to wear and one for you in your museum. As I said, Barry, it didn't really surprise me that you already had one. Um, I would have thought you already had two, um, one for a new museum as well in your basement. But, you know, there we go. Good to see that I'm right and good to see that I know you well enough that if there is a watch out there that you're really after, that I, I know you'll go the extra mile to get it. So Barry and I first met at an event, a Golden Pioneer event in Berlin, um, and we became firm friends along with uh, another dear friend of ours, Stefan, uh, amongst everyone else within the group. But but I think, y- you know, we, we became uh, a little bit of a, a trio, a, t- a tour de force, if I may say. Wouldn't you agree, Barry? I'd have to say, hashtag not Barry on that one. <laughs> Trust you to say, hashtag not Barry. <laughs> that just was like the strap line. It became a sort of saying that, that we... Uh, it just it just became far bigger than than what we thought it would do, um, and it's something that that Barry's continued to use on the pages on the social media. It's always hashtag not Barry, or other people have picked it up saying hashtag not Dennis, hashtag not Stefan. Um, I even had some uh, uh, wet on tattoos, some fake tattoos with hashtag not Barry printed on them. Uh, I tell you that that thing became bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and also other events <laughs> that that you weren't at, and I know you've seen the photos of these that we actually uh, had some masks printed out. Stefan printed out some masks of Barry's face that 
that when we were having a beer or when we were up in our rooms, we would wear the mask because Barry couldn't make the event. You know, it's a bit harder to come from the States to come into Europe to, to join our Swatch International events, but we wanted him to be there in spirit and in, ba- and, and in body. Which kind of leads me on quite nicely, Barry. Um, so when did you, you know, when did you discover Swatch? When did you really first start to get into Swatch? I got into Swatch probably pretty early. I um, discovered them probably in 1984 okay, cool. when they came out in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, the first watch that really attracted me was High Tech 2 because of the fact that you could see through it yeah, and sure. see all the inner workings. That was always something that was very interesting to me to see the inner workings of a watch. Okay. Unfortunately, I didn't get that watch. Oh, I did no. ask for a swatch for the holidays. And my parents got me Don't Be Too Late as my first Swatch. It's not a bad watch. So that's how I got into Swatch. The funny thing about the fact that I was so in love with the High Tech 2 is that I tried as hard as possible to open up my Swatch to turn my Don't Be Too Late into a High Tech 2. (laughs) And if you've ever tried taking apart a Swatch, you know that that did not go well. So that was uh, $30 at that time down the drain. And I was forced to go back to the store to buy a new watch. But uh, today in my collection, I do have both of those watches. So that's the good news. Can't say that I got them for $30 each, but uh, I do have the original Don't Be Too Late and also High Tech 2, and they're still favorites of mine. The joy of collecting. And that was back in 1984. From there... You know, one of the interesting things is that in the United States, Swatch did fade out a bit and disappeared out of a lot of the stores. There weren't really, other than maybe at a a random airport, a a Swatch store or two, they just disappeared. And I I didn't really even know that they were in existence anymore. And uh, my parents went to Lisbon and attended the World Expo. And when they came back from the World Expo, um, instead of getting the proverbial T-shirt souvenir, my parents brought back the Atomaster for me, which was the (laughs) access watch for the event. They purchased the watch. They used it as an access watch, meaning that their ticket to get into the event was loaded onto the watch. And they were able to enjoy the entire World Expo and then come home and give me a nice souvenir, um, which actually reintroduced me to Swatch and got me back into collecting. So that was a nice surprise when they attended the Expo. So from there, I still have the same Atomaster, and I have since found an Atomaster Maxi that I have that in many ways brings back a lot of great memories because it was the, the reintroduction to swatch for me and and got me back into collecting so that was a lot of fun cool now now when you're talking about maxes obviously the the person that comes into my mind is fred good afternoon good morning good evening hi fred Uh, i'm determined to get you onto one of these podcasts in the not too distant future i mean barry's jumped in so i think it's only time that you do as well so that's really interesting to hear how you was into Swatch in much a, a very big way back in the 80s. Um, but obviously with the stores and that fizzling out in the States, you, you kind of separated almost with, with Swatch. But that love came back 
with, with gusto, shall we say, with that Adamaster, that access swatch from from Lisbon, uh, a watch which I've I've got, and I think it's a it's a it's a cracking little watch. Um, and what I do is uh, for all the watches that that are mentioned on the podcast, I'll I'll put some images up so that if you're not sure of what the watches look like, you you can uh, have a look and see what what it is we're talking about. So I don't think you're going to get away with just one question, Barry. Um, I've got several here for you to uh, to answer. Um, uh, again, uh, I think this is uh, it's great to have you um, join me on the podcast. It it's great for us to to reminisce, and obviously, uh, um, <laughs> this this uh, this recording that we're doing is probably about four or five hours long. So I've got to try and <laughs> edit it down to a a, a thirty minute grab. Um, so. Talking about watches and you know the the love that you had with those early watches, and that you've managed to get get them back and uh, and I understand you know not at the original thirty dollars asking price. I mean, even at the kiosk, uh, you can't always get those sort of watches. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm using uh, swatch terminology there. So the kiosk, um, for those of you that don't know, for Golden Pioneer members at our Golden Pioneer event, there is a legendary shop, a legendary outlet. It's called the kiosk, where Swatch actually give us the opportunity to buy rare, deleted, no longer available watches at at reasonable prices. I mean, there was a phase when it went really, really high, and they were trying to sell watches to us at um, market value. Um, and if you're as after a piece, that's great. But really, the kiosk should be about being able to bag a bargain, you know, pick up a watch that you've been after or you've had your eye on for a while um that you want to add to your collection but you just you can't necessarily merit spending the amount of money that that somebody's after for the watch um i've picked up a few good pieces from from there but you know what what some person likes in the kiosk isn't necessarily what everyone else wants i mean i've bought chandeliers out of the kiosk you know not a particularly valuable watch but but i like it and i didn't have one um, I bought some of the cufflinks, the the Father's Day cufflinks, which I I wear rather a lot. And, and again, not particularly expensive, but but are quite tricky to get hold of. So so along that similar sort of vein, and and going along with that, is there any watch that you would like to have in your collection? As as, as I said, for me, it's the the Pomodoro Rota. That that is. Um, a fantastic watch and hands yes i know you wear yours and it looks great on you but for you barry is there actually a watch that that you want to add into your collection uh, and uh, is there like a, a a watch that that your co- i wouldn't say your collection feels empty but you know there's one piece that you're really really after um almost yeah almost like a holy grail sort of watch dare i say you know what's your holy grail piece wow Holy Grail watches. Hmm. That is a really tough one. Um, I think for the longest time, one of my Holy Grail watches was was getting one of the perfect timings okay. from the Olympics. Uh, they made so few of those and, and made them available in such random places around the world. Uh, it was very difficult to acquire, but I did actually get one of those. I mean, from a standpoint of, of difficulty, probably one of the really early Olympics Olympic watches where there's the single slash at 12 o'clock with the black second hand. That would probably be my holy grail, but I'm sure that's 
way out of my league, and I, I may never see one of those available. So no, never say never. I guess for me, Roram Five might be the the one that is attainable, but probably a, a really tough find. Okay. So I cool. probably keep searching for that, and if and when I find one, I, I will hopefully be able to pick it up. But that would probably be the one that is um, my holy grail right now. Cool. It's it's a it's a great piece, and uh, I, I must admit it's not a watch that sits on my holy grail list. But hey, you know that's what makes collecting watches so good. Uh, you know there are watches that we all want. That's true, like the Damien Hurst uh, Spot Mickey. But you know some of the other collectible watches are watches that everyone finds interesting. Sometimes they just don't do it for me. But then there are other watches that that I think are, are really great and really cool and really nice, and, and I want to add them into my collection. And everyone else says, oh, no, it doesn't do it for me. I mean, if we all liked the same watches, it would be, um, well, Swatch would only need to release one watch every year, wouldn't they? And uh, they wouldn't carry on trying to be creative and be inventive in bringing out many, many different watches. So, you know, you've been collecting for quite a while, and uh, I've met you on GMP events uh, around Europe. And I know that you're a very, very active member in the Swatch Club in, in the States. Um, but, you, you know, what, what what's your favorite memory, you know, out, out of all of this, you know, what's your favorite memory as, as a collector? Favorite Swatch memory? Hmm. I think for me, there, there definitely are so many great memories recently from a standpoint of, of attending GMP and or Christmas events after becoming a Golden Pioneer member. Hashtag not Barry. Going to Stresa, going to Ticino, oh, attending your first yeah. kiosk. Those are all amazing things. But for me, I think I have to probably go back to 2001 okay. when I went to New York with a friend to Sotheby's to attend the Ristory auction. Oh, nice, nice. That was my first event as a club member. Wow. Nancy Wong, who was the head of the U.S. club, had invited me to the event, Special. and um, it was it was really just an absolutely amazing experience. Cool. Heading up to New York, um, when we got to the event, running into to people like Matthew Modine, Blaine Trump was was one of the co-chairs for the event. Mm. Heidi Klum was at the event. I had a chance to meet her. Cool. Martha Stewart was there, Joan Rivers. I mean, there were so many famous people that were at the event. Clang. But I was there really just as a Swatch collector. But it was neat because I, I had a chance to, I had an access watch for the event. They charged my credit card to the event, but there also was a paddle from the event that was matched That's up right. to your watch. Yeah, seen that. That had you won an auction item, you would have then been able to have your credit card charged right away. And it was a really neat process, um, a neat event. At the auction itself, there were, um, I think, balsa wood chairs that were uniquely designed. Uh, they came in a yeah. um, bag that ultimately, at the end of the night, you were able to, to disassemble your chair, put it back into the bag, and uh -huh. leave the event with your own chair. Cool, cool. But, of course, you left with your watch, and you left with, anything that you may have won through the course of the evening. For me, 
I ended up bidding on a couple of items. I wanted to be active and be a part of the event, although I knew I probably would never win anything. I bid on some of the James <laughs> Bond uh, packages that were there, and I think I may have even had a one of the initial bids on the um, Ristory smart car that was up for auction at the event. So I definitely felt like I was active in that part of of the event, although ultimately didn't win any items. I think I've sent some photos to to, uh, one of the websites that ultimately has something posted from Ristory, but Mm -hmm. that was probably one of the, the best memories for me because it got me back into the group and then I ultimately had just an amazing evening meeting people, seeing all these super rare swatches, yep. and then you know being a part of the auction. So it's a lot of cool. fun. And I think that ended up helping um, God's Love We Deliver, which was a great charity in New York that, that helped out. So definitely a great time. That was uh, December of 2001. I, I'm sure there are so many other amazing memories that I have, but that's just one quick memory that comes to mind as one of my favorites cool sounds like you had an absolutely awesome time i mean it sounds like a great time and and i mean what what more is there not to enjoy you know swatch new york seeing lots of famous people and and just really enjoying everything that is to do with swatch and that creativity and and being in that auction environment i i you know i've only seen photos i i couldn't go i know a few people but that went but I'm sure that really was an absolutely outstanding, as you've said, you know, it's your favorite memory. It's a truly outstanding experience. And, you know, Barry, thanks for sharing. We're now starting towards, we're now starting to head towards the end of this episode, episode two. Um, It's been like a a tricky second album. You know, um, you can spend years and years and years thinking about what you would do on the first one. And then you realise that then you have to try and do another one. Well, you don't have to. I've really enjoyed doing the the podcast for you all, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. I've had a few things come in uh, via email. Um, thanks to Fred McFarlane for sending in his photo of his watch that he really wants, his Holy Grail watch, which is the, the, the HR Geiger swatch. Um, literally one of the most incredible creations that I have ever seen, um, and just truly an absolutely magical watch. I, I completely agree with you, um, Fred. That that is a piece that that really should be in 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 a in my collection. Um, I don't think it ever will be though. However, I don't think I will ever get the opportunity to buy one of those. I've never seen one in the kiosk, and <laughs> I don't think there will ever be one in the kiosk. Um, but as I said to Barry earlier, you know, never say never. These things do pop up and sometimes in the weirdest of places. You know, you could be at a boot fair and, and someone has one of these not really knowing exactly what it is. And uh, again, as as I said earlier, I'll, I'll post a picture of that watch as well. So so thanks, Fred, for sharing that. And as I've said before, you, you know, if there's anything that you want to share, if you want to take part, please, I want you to be a part of this podcast as much as as much as I am and as much as Barry has been this week. Um, uh, and please email in the information to Second Watch Podcast. that's all one word, at gmail.com. Um, please follow us on Facebook on the Second Watch Podcast page. Um, please carry on um, enjoying and uh, I hope you, you uh, have enjoyed this podcast. I think at, at this point 
there's one thing I wanted to say before I say thank you to, to Barry for joining us on this podcast was this podcast there was slightly something different at the start and there'll be something slightly different at the end we've got some intro and some outro music it's from an up-and-coming artist called Electro Robot um, I won't say it was written exclusively for this podcast but when I heard it I, I wanted to include it um, yeah it, it, he's a great up-and-coming electronic artist um, with some really interesting pieces coming out and uh, and please to say has given me exclusive permission to use that track on this podcast. I'll be using it in the intro and also on the outro. And uh, if he actually gives me permission, um, I may even actually be able to put the track on the second podcast um, for a download for you. It was a special little gift from Electro Robot, from him to me, to you, to me, to you. So... As I'm starting to sign off now, I'd just like to say thank you, Barry, for joining us on the podcast today. Stephen, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. This has been a lot of fun. I had a great time and look forward to hearing more of your podcasts in the future. Take care. Well, that's it for this episode. So thanks again to Barry for joining us on this podcast. Um, that was Barry Krell and Stephen Crouch on the Second Watch podcast. Um, stay well, stay safe, stay sane. And remember, when all else fails, there is Swatch. Until next time, keep ticking.